Thank you, and let me add my own uh, good evening to the welcome that uh, Mark offered a little earlier. There is a word that comes in every one of those readings except the last one. It seemed an appropriate focus after the presentation that I knew we would be having from the YMCA, and it is, of course, as you'll have guessed, the word home. In his prophecy, Zephaniah looks to the days when the Jewish people will be gathered from all the different places of exile, their longing for a homeland to call their own, a longing already recognized 600 years before Jesus will be fulfilled. They will be gathered and, as Zephaniah puts it, in the mouth of God, I will bring you home. It sounds marvelous, but Jewish history is uncertain about home. There's always this longing to settle, and yet settling down is regarded as dangerous. There's a fear on the part of God that it will produce a sense of self-satisfaction. As his people settle, they will forget to depend upon him directly. Consider the story of Ruth. Naomi, after the famine is over, is ready to return to Bethlehem. But she advises her widowed daughter-in-law, Ruth, to go back to her own people, to go back home, as she puts it. And that was very wise advice. Life with Naomi, among what would be for Ruth a foreign people, offered nothing, at least among her own, she might marry again. But Ruth refuses the comfort of such a home. For the sake of God's promises to his people, she will choose a different path, a path in which she risks absolutely everything. And that is true, too, in the story of Abraham. He is rich in Haran, the town where he has settled, but he sets out, not even really knowing where he's going. But God has called him, and God offers a deeper home than he has yet known. And so the writer of the letter to the Hebrews can speak of Abraham living in tents on his journey, literally staking his tent pegs and in the process staking his future on God's promise. He was looking for a home and looking onward to God's promise of a people that would be founded from Abraham himself. We're told he was looking to another city. That's the phrase the scripture uses. And we read that and we think, well, that must be heaven. But it doesn't say so. If it said that, we might do what generations have done and treat this world as a place that doesn't matter. Merely material on the way to something more important, more purely spiritual. But the Bible 
is not so negative about this world. Directly we are told that Abraham was looking for another city. We are then told immediately about the birth of a child to Abraham in keeping with God's promise to raise descendants as countless as the sand on the seashore. Indeed, that's what's curious. The writer's concern is so to emphasize that God will be faithful to his promise, that the boundary between this life, where Abraham will see some things from the promise, and life beyond this life, where he will come to another city, that boundary becomes unimportant. Imagine what it would be to leave here this evening with the same confidence that Abraham had, a confidence so certain that death itself loses its threat, its otherness. Home is a great thing in the Bible. It's a great thing to know. But it is also sometimes a thing to walk away from for the sake of that other home that is promised. Now, we have a home, I guess, as we gather, most of us do. We have a home as Ruth had had and as Abraham had had. But it may sometimes feel to us, too, that it is not enough. Even Zephaniah's promise, once fulfilled, is not enough. It's not enough to know that we are at peace with the fire lit in the hearth and everyone snuggled down in this weather into a Dickensian Christmas. We snuggle down precisely because it's cold outside. The harsh winds blow and we know that the world is not at peace. Our fast firesides may be warm but it's cold outside and there may be a 16-year-old who's been thrown out. We may not be those, all of us, who are naturally sensitive to the needs of others. But even against the thickest walls of our homes comes news and reminders of what we might call unpeace. The cards that arrive through our letterboxes, bringing news of a difficult year for a friend or family member, a relational breakup, or a significant illness. The news programs that will come between the cheery Christmas comedy films, telling us of another world. Home is fantastic. Some of you will be travelling soon to what you call your home. But perhaps others are returning to be home with you. Everything we want to associate with home is good. And so Ruth could have gone home as she'd known it. And Abraham could have stayed at home as he knew it. But they went out and the Bible is full of those who've left one home because it wasn't enough. Something called them elsewhere. 
Now, one reading we did not have tonight comes from almost the very end of the Bible, the last chapter but one. Revelation chapter 21. The city of God, God's community, comes down from the heavens to a renewed earth, so that we're told there is a new heaven and a new earth, united. And the first thing we are told uh, about this vision of a united heavens and earth is this. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Ruth and Abraham and Zephaniah are looking for a home. And what's astonishing about Revelation 21 is this. We learn that God, too, has been searching for a home. And things will only finally reach their completion when he makes his home among us. It's a twist on the tale that we've heard so far of home in Scripture. It's not that we go searching for a home with God, but that God won't be content until he makes his home with us. It might seem natural to us that we should find this world to be a place we can call home and yet with some of its stresses, it's not quite enough. And so we assume that it is for us to make all the moves like Abraham did going out, or Ruth did going out, journeying as she did to a new home in Bethlehem, and in the process, becoming part of the line of Christ. Always themselves looking onward, forward, And so how astonishing to find that God himself is not fully at home until he brings all things to an end and heaven and earth are united and God can dwell among the people. And now, even more astonishing still, exactly the same phrase is heard in John's Gospel the passage we did hear read. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What God promises as true for all things everywhere one day at the end has already begun in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Yes, this is still the world in which we cannot be fully at home. This is still the world in which our sin puts Jesus on the cross. But in his rising, Jesus has made clear that not even our sin can overcome his being at home here. He has made the infinitely long journey from the home that he has known with the Father to be the baby in the manger of Bethlehem. And like Abraham, he has staked his own future on an even more glorious possibility that God himself can one day be fully at home with us without opposition 
or detraction. And I suppose, therefore, I want to say something this evening. Not to those who are here convinced that this is not true. And really, you are here to accompany believers out of a sense of keeping them happy. Welcome, by the way. And I'm not addressing myself to those who already believe all of this. I want to address myself instead to those who have a vaguer sense that there is something, but who are not yet sure that they could inhabit Christian faith. Those who can enjoy Christmas and who have a sense that there is something beyond the tree and the presence and the family gathered at the table. Not just those who know that there's something beyond shopping, that's too easy a target at this time of year. But those who know that there's something even beyond home. The Christian claim is that your longings are met, not by further searching on your part, but in the one who has already chosen to make this world his home, even with all its horrors and even with all its rejection of him. It doesn't mean that we're complacent about this world. I don't know whether you heard the debate between Christopher Hitchens, the atheist, and Tony Blair on whether religion does any good. And Tony Blair pointed out in that debate that a full quarter of all AIDS care in Africa is undertaken by the Roman Catholic Church. And every survey shows the Christian churches at the forefront of caring about this world. If this is a world in which Jesus was content to be born to a couple out of wedlock who would become refugees, content to be despised as a madman and killed for blasphemy in claiming a kingdom, then this is a world that even though it rejected him has been loved and must continue to be loved. And yes, so therefore we are in some ways at home in this world, yet like Abraham we look forward to the full fullness of God's promises coming to pass. To a world where heaven and earth unite and where Christ the Lord shall have his full place. And those things that threaten home, our rejection of God as the one in charge, those things will finally be overcome. It's not neat and tidy, this sense of being at home and yet not at home. But it means that we care about this world while recognizing that this is not all there is. Home has become where God is. And that is here and now and there and then. And it can be where you already are. We spend time and effort trying to make a home. And as we've heard tonight, trying to find a home again, trying to get back to a home. And the lack of a home for some of us causes us deep distress. But when no one would give him room in Bethlehem, God still came among us and made us his dwelling place 
and called this world home. If you've been searching and wondering what else there is, have you considered this possibility, that the what else has come and found you? And you are home, because God has made it so, until the skies break open and home is everywhere. Our task is only to receive. Listen then to the words of our next carol.